Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hawthorne Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Michigan fans, how are we doing this morning? <laughs> Uh, if you're new to our church, my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors on staff. How about Loyola, too? Sweet 16, awesome. Okay. I want to begin by bringing us back to 1999. So youth group students, how many of you were born after 1999 so I can feel old? Raise your hand. Like pretty much all, all of them, right? Okay. So I feel old. Um, so it was the summer after my junior year in college, so you can calculate my age now. Um, I had this incredible opportunity to do a leadership training program through my church. And I got to spend the whole summer in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, suffering for Jesus on the beach. And it was an incredible summer. Uh, I lived in a two-bedroom apartment with eight other guys from my church. They take advantage of us ignorant college students and just put a bunch of us in a house together. And let's just say it was a very intimate summer uh, related to community. And I have a few pictures I dug up. So that's me on the right. Uh, That's my really good friend, Ryan, on the left. Maxi Blonde was in that summer, so we were all dyeing our hair. Here's another picture. So I worked all summer in the produce section of a local grocery store. And I was going grocery shopping with Joshua last weekend. We're in the produce section. I'm kind of sharing with him how I worked in a grocery store during college. And he looked at me. He's like, why are you telling me all this? Like, I'm trying to share my story with you. Don't you care? So I went into that summer. Uh, eager to grow as a leader, and I wondered, God, what great things are you going to teach me about leadership? I was looking for all these new and great revelations from God. And over the course of the summer, I sensed God taking me back to some of the basic things of the Christian life, being in the Word, living a life of prayer, sharing my faith with others. The fundamentals of faith. And I found this temptation often in my spiritual life, looking for the new and the great from God. And often he wants to take me deeper into the basics. Like in any sport, it comes down to the fundamentals. Block, pass, catch, tackle, kick. Those are the five fundamentals to the game of football. And I'm not saying that God will never reveal new and great things to us about himself. Of course he does. I think last weekend during Refocus, God broke in and revealed himself in powerful ways. But in my experience in following Jesus, sometimes I make it a lot more complicated. And God is the one who leads me back to the key parts of faith and life with him. And I really believe God wants us to know him and meet him and experience him in great ways. And a lot of times, 
it will be with God taking us back to the basics and going deeper in the fundamentals. This morning, I want to take us back to one of the most important aspects of the Christian faith. It's something I've been sensing from God in my own relationship with him that I need to pay attention to this. We're going to look at 1 Timothy 1 and how the Apostle Paul opens up his life story and shares about the power of God's grace in his life. So back to grace. Popo prayed it already for us. But back to one of the fundamentals of our faith. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Timothy 1. We'll have it on the slides if you prefer that. Uh, But I just want to pray for us as we open up the word together. Father, we thank you for who you are. You are the God who never changes. You're so abundant in your love and your grace towards us. And God, we acknowledge that you are here right now. You are present. And God, we need your presence this morning. And God, we need the revelation of your heart towards us. And so I pray your word this morning would reveal your heart again to us. And God, I want to pray boldly, God, that you would even break in this morning through the power of your grace, that you would touch us in a deep way. You'd minister to the depths of of our hearts this morning. So God, I believe you're going to work, and I just acknowledge how much I need your grace right now. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save Sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. When we think of Paul, for good reason, we think of a superhero Christian leader. A man who was a mover and shaker for God's kingdom, and he totally was. What Billy Graham, who recently passed away, was to Christianity in America over the last 30 to 40 years, Paul was even more so to Christianity in the first century. It's an understatement, but God used Paul in incredible ways to lay the foundation 
of the early church. And yet Paul here is reminding us of who he was before he met Jesus. And it wasn't pretty. He doesn't sugarcoat the before story. Paul says here, I was once a blasphemer. He's referring to how he used to speak evil of Jesus. A blasphemer of Jesus Christ. He says, I was a persecutor. He was intent on putting to death not only those who followed Jesus, but the church as a whole. He wanted to snuff out the whole movement. And a violent man, he was a man of deep-seated hostility, where he enjoyed insulting and humiliating others. Paul was offensive towards God and God's people. And this is what I love about the Bible. It's real, it's honest, it's authentic. Paul here is shooting straight with us about who he was before Jesus. A few verses later, he takes it a step further in verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Christ came into the world to save sinners. Paul clearly articulates the mission of Jesus. Jesus came to save sinners. His whole purpose in coming to this world is to bring salvation to us who cannot save ourselves. And Paul ends this statement with a stunning confession of whom I am the worst, the worst sinner. Really, Paul? Really? Because just a few pen marks earlier, Paul lists out people who many would consider worse than him. Verse 9. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their family or those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers. Paul's saying, I surpass all of these. There's no more notorious or greater sinner than me. I got them all beat. I mean, there, there are certain things that people tend to name about themselves and brag about, but being a, a great sinner is not one of them, especially for a Christian leader. And as I reflected on this and studied this passage, I asked a question you are maybe asking right now. Is Paul for real here? Is Paul for real when he says he is the worst of sinners? Is this some sort of false humility? Is this exaggeration? Is it hyperbole? And as I study this, I do not believe this is hyperbole. I don't believe this is exaggeration. I believe he meant this. But how could he honestly write these words? Let me read verse 13 and 14, and then try to paint a picture for us. Even though I was once a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and a violent man. I was shown mercy 
because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, I was praying this week that God would give me an image to help explain this, how to understand what Paul is saying here about sin and about grace. And I want to share a a spiritual metaphor that I sense God leading me to share. And I've been praying this week that this would be helpful for us. And I want to even invite you, if, if you wanted to close your eyes, and preachers normally don't do this, it's dangerous. Um, so don't fall asleep. But I want to invite you to imagine with me for a moment. I imagine Paul in this deserted valley. And he's building this great wall. And each brick represents his life of sin. And day after day, brick after brick, the wall keeps getting bigger. A brick for pride. Another brick for self-righteousness. A brick for bitterness. A brick for hostility. A brick for murder. And the wall is massive. And it keeps growing higher and higher. It was so big and so wide that he had no idea what was on the other side of the wall. And out of his own ignorance and unbelief, he kept believing that this wall needed to be built. Do you have the image? This massive wall in a valley. And then one day, Paul encounters Jesus Christ personally. And it changes everything for him. Going back to the the valley and the wall. Imagine now this mighty river comes roaring through and filling up the valley. This river is so forceful that it completely tears down and crumbles the wall that Paul is building. This wall that looks so strong has been completely destroyed through the power of the river. And the river represents the grace of Jesus Christ that God pours out over Paul's life. His wall is destroyed now. And it is the best thing that could ever happen to him. Because on the other side of the wall, Paul realizes that everything he ever wanted, real love, peace, hope, life, and freedom, is found in Jesus, is found in the river. And he sees the foolishness of building a wall now. And he knows he needs to be a man gets caught up swimming in the river of God's grace. I'll invite you to open your eyes. Paul can say that he is the worst of sinners because God reveals to him the height 
of his wall, his sin, his rebellion. And Paul knows now that sin goes beyond the outward behavior. It flows out of the heart. And he knew his heart better than anybody else. He knew his own wall that he was building. He knew the inner places of him that were offensive and against God. And so much about himself. And it's in this place that God poured out his grace so abundantly. The experience of God's grace is the intersection of the height of our sin, our walls, and the abundance of God's love, the mighty river of grace found in Jesus. Grace breaks the power of sin. And Paul knew he absolutely didn't deserve God's love. None of us deserve God's love. And that's the whole point of grace. Grace is the undeserved love and favor of God. And God's grace is very personal for Paul. It isn't an abstract theological idea. He knew and experienced God's grace through a relationship with Jesus in a very intimate way. Let's go back to verse 16. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And Paul was so amazed at the grace that God had shown him. And throughout this passage, Paul is almost saying, if God can save me, the worst of sinners, if God can change me, then he can save and change anybody in this world. And think about that for a moment. There might be someone in your life that you're like, man, there's no way God could change that person. Paul is saying here, there's no one in this world who is helpless or hopeless. And that is the good news of the gospel. No person's wall is too big for God's grace. With grace, Christ's redemption is possible for any human being on planet Earth. There's no one beyond the hope and power of what grace can do in a person's life. Paul knew that his story changed forever because of grace. That's Paul's story. I want to share a bit of my story before I talk about our story together. Maybe you're like me, and you can forget it's all about grace. I I confess, I have grace issues. I have grace amnesia I want to build my own wall. I want to earn it. I want to measure up. I want to prove myself to God. At age 11, I first understood that I'm a sinner. And I need the grace of God in my life. Honestly, up until that point in my life, I thought I was good enough for God. 
I'm embarrassed to share that and admit that. But I was a good Christian kid on the outside, and I thought I deserved God. And then one night, God opened up my eyes and my heart and showed me the reality of my sin and how much I need Christ and in his grace. It's a night I will never forget because the grace of God broke into my life for the first time. And then in high school, I began building my wall again. Duty and pride and lust, religion, behavior management. On the outside, I looked good. My heart was far from God. Then in college, God broke in again with his grace. And he showed me the depth of his love through a relationship with Jesus in a more intimate way. But still today, there are days that grace is more an abstract idea rather than a personal and experiential reality. And what I believe God wants to remind us this morning through his word is we don't grow out of our need for grace. Grace isn't just meant to be experienced when you first encounter Jesus and the gospel message. Grace is meant to be experienced throughout the course of our Christian journey. And I believe God wants us to swim and get soaked by his grace every day. And when we experience his grace, In that intimate and personal way, we're reminded how amazing grace truly is. So I want to share a few things for how do we embrace and live under the reign of God's grace in our lives today. Going back to the walls, there's a reason why we build our walls. It could be out of our pain. It could be how we maintain control. It could be out of our bitterness, our fear, our selfishness. It could be our desire for the things of this world. But I just want to be very clear with us. Our walls are not good for us. Our walls are not good for us. They block us from experiencing the things of God and the way of the kingdom. And maybe you're here this morning And you recognize you have a wall you have been building. And you've never experienced the grace of God breaking down your wall. Or you need a fresh experience of his grace in your life. When we encounter Jesus like Paul did, we see the foolishness and the ugliness of our walls. We see how high our sin truly is. And when you get to this place, when you see your own wall, you might struggle with, why would God want a relationship with someone like me? I know my wall, and it isn't pretty. It's embarrassing. It's disgusting. And I think one of the lies that we struggle with is, I need to clean up my act before I can come to God. I need to tear down my wall before I can approach him. And that is simply not true. That's a lie. 
1 Timothy 1, 15. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus came to tear down the wall of your sin. Jesus wants you just as you are, your wall and all. He is the only one that can deal with your sin. He is the one who will destroy your wall. His grace is powerful enough to do so. we got to remember, we are saved by Christ and His grace. It's not our intellectual knowledge of God. It's not our religious efforts. It's not our good works. It's not trying to make our walls more pretty. Our relationship with Jesus is only possible because of grace. It all starts with grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. And grace is a gift from God. that We receive by faith. And for some of you, you have never experienced this gift of grace. And I believe God wants to break in to your life. He wants to show you the power and the wonder of his grace. God sent his son to break down our walls so we can experience true life and love that can only come through a relationship with Jesus. And it's the greatest possible thing on planet earth and i hope everybody here today will experience this life-giving grace-filled relationship with jesus another thing is we are people carried by god's grace every day this is something i've been just really wrestling with and needing to hear from god in my life these days first corinthians fifteen ten. this is paul again writing But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. He's talking about the other apostles. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. And for those of us who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, I think sometimes we get things mixed up. We work really hard in our strength, to be good, to be righteous. It starts with our striving and being better, and grace is an afterthought. It's like wrapping a present. And our good works and our efforts is the wrapping paper. And we work really hard to make it look nice and pretty. And then we put a bow on top, and we call the bow God's grace. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. Paul's saying, I am different. I've been changed. It's by the grace of God that I'm a new person. And Paul acknowledged that he worked harder. But he said it was not him, but the grace of God that was with him. And again, I believe the image of a river is very helpful in understanding God's grace. The grace of God is like a flowing, powerful river. 
And Paul began to swim. He was doing something, but he knew the current of God's grace was carrying him. It still starts with grace. We are carried by God's grace as we follow Jesus. I believe some of us have just skimmed the surface of God's grace in our lives. We're dipping our our toes into the shallow end. And there are rivers of water of God's grace available for us to swim in. Yes, every day we are being carried by God's grace. And I believe there are ways that we can experience it more personally. So with this last thing, I want to get really practical. How do we swim in Christ's grace on a daily basis? The passage in 1 Timothy that we're looking at is bookended by two verses that I believe really help us out. Verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Paul here is overwhelmed with gratitude that God would not only save him, but God would appoint him to be a servant for Jesus. It's the I can't believe it, this is too good to be true kind of gratitude. The other day, Joshua and I went to Culver's, and I try to eat pretty healthy. I know Pastor Dave has alluded to this in a sermon that we go out for a staff lunch and I always order a salad. He feels guilty for ordering something else. But I try to eat healthy, uh, but I splurged and I got some ice cream. And I was eating this chocolate and vanilla ice cream with cookie dough and a waffle cone. And I have to tell you, it was a spiritual experience for me. And and I'm preparing this message so I'm kind of swimming in my thoughts with all these ideas. So I don't normally do this, but I'm eating the ice cream cone, and I'm like, God, I don't deserve this. You didn't have to allow me to experience the glory of this ice cream. But here I am, enjoying this to the fullest. God, thank you for your goodness to me through an ice cream cone. And I told Joshua in that moment, I believe one of God's revelations of his personal love for me is through ice cream. And I'm not joking. I really believe, like, God loves me, and this is evidence through ice cream. So gratitude. Gratitude with simple things like ice cream is one of the ways that we experience and embrace God's grace in our lives. Beyond just ice cream, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you realize how much you have going for you? How much God has already done for you? How much you have been given as his child? You are loved completely. Your sins have been forgiven. You are free. There's no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. You have a purpose for your life. You are part of God's kingdom. Every day of your life matters for the sake of his kingdom. And you have a future and a hope that's secure and certain 
No one can take it away from you. We have so much going for us through Christ. And gratitude unlocks our appreciation for God's grace over our lives. So the encouragement here isn't just be more grateful. Strive to be a person of gratitude. It's stopping and appreciating in the small and big ways all that God has done for you, all that God has given you. And I believe in these moments of gratitude, we can experience God's grace over our lives. Verse 17, I love this verse. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is not only overwhelmed with gratitude, he's overcome by who God is. And these words are full of worship to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. He is speaking of the otherness of God. God, there is no one like you. And to the God that's completely other, be honor and glory forever and ever. One of the things that Yvonne and I have enjoyed recently as parents is, you know, nighttime with kids can be awfully crazy, trying to get them, get them to bed and showered. But our, our kids have started singing in the shower. And they don't know we can hear them, but they're belting out worship songs. And to hear my son sing like, good, good father in the shower is one of the most incredible things. Worship is a way that we connect with God in a deep way. Worship is so good for our souls. There's something pure about worship. And that completely puts the spotlight on who God is. In worship, we give our attention and adoration to him. This could be through music and songs, but it could also be through prayers that focus completely on who God is. And when we direct our focus on God, I believe God reminds us of his unbelievable grace to us. This God who is so other wants a friendship with us. He wants us to experience his presence and love, gratitude, and worship. And I want to challenge us to find moments, uh, to find moments which I'm going to call daily grace space. Daily grace space. Carve out moments each day to soak in God's grace and spend time in thanksgiving and worship. And this might be when you take a shower. That might be the very place where you can just sing freely to God. Or as the water beats on your body, remember you have been washed clean through the blood of Jesus. And there's power of God's grace over your life. It might be that first sip of coffee in the morning. When you talk to God, you just tell him that you need his grace. God, I don't want to live today out of my own strength. 
I want to swim in your grace today. You might be watching the sunset at night, and you just take a moment to worship God. And you tell him how beautiful and how great he is. That this is our Father's world. It might be that last moment of the day before you close your eyes and go to sleep. You just tell God, thank you for another day of life. Thank you for the goodness that you showed me today. Thank you for carrying me by your grace. Daily grace space. I think too many of us are often living under the sprinkle of God's grace. I know I am. Like Dr. Walburn shared last week, God's got more for us. He wants us to be dripping wet in his grace completely soaked. He wants us to remember our relationship with him starts with grace. And every single day he carries us by his grace to us. I want to give us a few moments now as we close, before we sing, to invite God to let us soak in his grace again. And so I want to just invite you to begin to just have a posture of coming before God. Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you right now to have freedom, to have authority, and to have power to work over our hearts right now. Pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would reveal the grace of Jesus Christ to us. Right now, God, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Just take a moment to quiet your heart before him. first ask you to fill in the blank on this statement. God loves me because blank. What would you put in the blank? God loves me because fill in the blank. It's a question that reveals something about your relationship with God. God loves us because he loves us. There's nothing really to fill in the blank. He loves you because he loves you. It is undeserved. 
So right now, would you just receive his love? Holy Spirit, reveal the love of the Father to us right now. What is the wall you have been building? God, show us our walls right now. Is it a wall of pride? Some of us just, we just don't think we need God in our life. Is it the wall of bitterness? Some of you have very painful stories. There are a lot of wounds. Maybe bitterness has built a wall in your heart. Is it a wall of fear? Is it a wall of despair? Is it a wall of greed? God, we come to you with our walls and we acknowledge they are not good for us. So we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to come and through your grace break down our walls. And maybe this is the first time you're asking God to show you his grace. So Jesus, reveal your heart of grace to us. God, we, some of us just, we're so used to striving. We're so used to performing for you. We just don't know how to swim in the river of your grace. So God, we need your help. Show us how to soak in your grace every day. I pray this week that you would lead us to moments of gratitude and worship that are authentic and real because we encounter you, God. We encounter your goodness and your grace over our lives. And we can't help but thank you. We can't help but praise you. So God, I pray you would reveal to us day by day how to soak in your grace because we need it every single day.
And I pray, God, the things that you are doing this morning that you would seal and protect by the power of your Holy Spirit. And you would grow them throughout the week. That it would be good seed planted in our hearts that grow. God, you are the king, immortal, invisible, eternal. You are the only God. So we now just want to worship you and tell you how much we love you. So lead us as we sing, stir in our hearts to rightfully praise you, God. Pray in Jesus' name. Um, I want to invite you to continue praying um, as we sing, come as you are. Um, I think when I was. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.